Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I will be discussing how the bloodstream carries molecules like glucose and triglycerides to provide energy for the body. I introduce what lipoproteins are and their important role in specifically carrying triglycerides, which are hydrophobic molecules, and cholesterol through the bloodstream. After that introduction, I present a scientific paper from the Journal of American Medical Association about how a fasting blood lipid profile of low triglycerides and high HDL cholesterol are associated with low risk of heart disease, even with the presence of other traditional risk factors such as high LDL cholesterol, high blood pressure, low physical activity, and even smoking. Please listen till the end of the podcast where I synthesize some practical conclusions about heart disease, blood markers, diet, and other lifestyle choices, trying to tie in everything together that has been discussed on the podcast about this topic in the previous three episodes and this one. If all that sounds interesting, then this podcast episode is for you. Just before we get started, this is a reminder that you can get started with my free bodyweight training program, Body Basics which requires no equipment by going to subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm, hit subscribe if you like the content, and hit the notification bell too. If you're listening through the podcast app, could you please share the podcast with a friend who may also enjoy listening and discussing it with you? Alright, here's the episode. Hello everybody, it's Jmart and this is another episode of State of Health. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen in on these podcast episodes. I hope you've been finding some value out of them. Uh, so today's going to be a similar topic to the previous three podcast episodes. I'm going to be talking about coronary heart disease again. Hopefully this will be the last episode about it. I think it will be. And just to kind of put it all back together... I will do a quick summary. I've been talking about heart disease and kind of how uh, different blood markers are related to it and also how nutrition is involved in, in it all. I've been suggesting that even though conventionally people suggest that saturated fat is not healthy for your heart, uh, that in fact uh, the common suggestion is that polyunsaturated fat should replace saturated fat to improve outcomes in terms of coronary heart disease. I've been suggesting the opposite and from the data that I've presented in the previous three episodes, I think it's clear that uh, having uh, saturated fat in your diet will increase the level of low density lipoprotein cholesterol concentration. So LDL cholesterol concentration in the blood will go up with saturated fat consumption but I've shown, I think, from the data that that's not necessarily going to lead to worse outcomes when it comes to heart health, when it comes to coronary heart disease. And so what I'd like to do today is go a little bit deeper into what can we look at in terms of blood biomarkers and what can be a better predictor of uh, how well our heart is doing. And so in order to do that, I have to do a little bit of an introduction and present some important uh, kind of concepts about what is actually going on inside our body. I think that will be helpful in order to be able, in order to, be able to understand the uh, 
a journal article that I will present following the introduction. So let's start by talking about our bloodstream, our arteries inside. I'm going to use some uh, visual tools to help demonstrate what I'm talking about. So here in this uh, image here, you see just the bloodstream surrounded by cells, right? And the cells are saying, I'm, I'm hungry, right? So they need chemical energy in the body, which is provided through the bloodstream. And, the, and what usually gets provided to those cells is glucose and triglycerides. So if we go down here, now we can see glucose going through the bloodstream and the cells on the surface of the arteries will have receptors represented by hands here that can catch the glucose and then use that energy, right? And this can be supported through insulin as well, we won't talk about that too much right now, but what about the triglycerides? Well, what are triglycerides? They are a basically a fat molecule or three fat molecules attached together by a glycerol uh, particle, which is kind of related to glucose. It's a byproduct of glucose degradation. But so glucose here, it says is hydrophilic, which means water loving. And since the bloodstream is made up of mostly water, it can just easily go into the bloodstream and be uh, there without too much trouble. But triglycerides are hydrophobic, phobia meaning afraid of, right? So they cannot simply spend a lot of time in the bloodstream. So they need kind of like a packaging molecule that will carry it through the bloodstream from place to place that it needs to go. You can think of it like a boat. So a this carrying molecule or boat is called a lipoprotein. Now this lipoprotein, think of it like a carrying molecule or a boat, which is made up of fat molecules and a combination of fat molecules and proteins can carry the triglycerides, the glycerol and the three fatty acid molecules all attached. It also carries cholesterol and some fat soluble vitamins. And so there are many different types of lipoproteins with different functions. And the two that people are most familiar with are the low density lipoprotein or LDL and high density lipoprotein or HDL. And people mostly refer to the fact that these, the, the amount of cholesterol that these lipoproteins are carrying, but keep in mind, they also carry triglycerides, cholesterol, fat soluble molecules, and they have different important functions of carrying this cargo to different parts of the body. So for, LDL cholesterol, it is responsible for bringing this cargo to the cells in the surface of the blood vessel and providing those to those cells. And because of that, if the provision of cholesterol goes, uh, uh, goes wrong, you could say, and there's cholesterol deposition on the surface of the uh, artery, then you can have plaque buildup, narrowing of the wall of the artery that which can lead to like chest pain and heart attack, right? But it's still an important function to provide cholesterol to those cells, whether it gets executed properly or not. So it's still an important function that LDL lipoprotein, low density lipoprotein is providing. It also has another function related to immunity, which I won't get into because that's too tangential, but it's definitely been shown that high levels of LDL low density lipoprotein can be protective with regards to pathogens. And so 
it's kind of wrong for it to be termed the bad cholesterol because it has important functions in the body that it needs to play. But then we also have HDL cholesterol or HDL high-density lipoprotein, which also carries cholesterol and uh, triglycerides, but it has a different function because what it does is it collects cholesterol from different parts of the body and then it can bring it to the liver or to uh, the uh, adrenal glands where the cholesterol can be used to produce important hormones that are you know needed for proper function of the body in order to keep it healthy so both have very important functions but hdl is seen as the good cholesterol because it collects or the good yeah uh, lipoprotein because it collects your cholesterol from around the body and brings it to a centralized place whereas ldl kind of does the reverse of that even though both functions are important hopefully with that preamble that makes it a little bit easier for you to understand the paper that i'm going to present next so here is the article from the journal of american medical association from their internal medicine archives it was published on february 12 2001 and the title is low triglycerides high hdl cholesterol and risk of ischemic heart disease so uh, ischemic heart disease is the same as coronary heart disease so what i already described which is like the narrowing of the uh, blood vessels through the deposition of cholesterol resulting in plaque that can lead to um, chest pain or heart attack later on. Now, in the introduction here, the authors go on to say that the, in the early part of cardiovascular epidemiology, there were four major risk factors of ischemic heart disease that were established. And these major risk factors were one, high LDL cholesterol concentration, right? So the amount of cholesterol found in the low density lipoprotein, Two was hypertension, so having high blood pressure, that was a risk factor as well. Three, low physical activity, so if you're not active, you're at higher risk of um, heart disease. And lastly, smoking, of course, smokers are at higher risk of heart disease as well. So these four risk factors were established early on. And then what they also found out was that these major risk factors tend to coexist with high triglyceride and low HDL cholesterol concentrations. So if you look at someone's blood markers and you see that they carry low triglycerides in their lipoproteins, and when you look at the HDL specifically, and that lipoprotein has low levels of cholesterol concentration, then those markers coexist with the major risk factors we just talked about, which is high LDL, hypertension or high blood pressure, low physical activity and smoking. Now in this study, they started this study in order to test the hypothesis that subjects with the major classic risk factors, those four we just talked about previously, would still have a low risk of ischemic heart disease or coronary heart disease if they had the opposite, which is low triglycerides and high HDL concentrations. So basically the opposite of what we see most commonly that coexists with the common major risk factors, if they have the opposite blood markers of low triglyceride and high HDL cholesterol concentration, but they still have the major risk factors. Is this protective? Do they still have a low risk of ischemic heart disease? That's what this paper will try to answer. So how was this study done? Well, so CMS stands for Copenhagen Male Study. And this was a study that was started in the 1970s. It was a cardiovascular study of over 5,000 men. But that's not this study, but this is a follow-up to that study. So in between June 1st of 85 and 86, June 1st of 86, all the survivors from the Copenhagen male study 
uh, were invited to take part in this study. 3,300 people agreed. Their mean age was 63 years, ranging from 53 to 74. And these people were examined with measurements of their height, weight, and blood pressure. And also a blood sample was taken for lipid measurements after the subjects had fasted for at least 12 hours. So this is really important that they fasted for 12 hours because then you really get a good uh, reading of what their uh, kind of baseline triglyceride levels are and you're not getting a reading of what they uh, like had for a meal basically prior to the test. Uh, they excluded people who had history of acute uh, heart attacks, angina, like stroke. So this is important as well. It's good that they've done that. And so overall, just under 3,000, 2,906 men were eligible for this prospective study. And so what they did, they took those 3,000 individuals and they subdivided them into three groups based on what their uh, blood concentrations of fasting triglyceride and HDL cholesterol concentrations were. So one group was the high triglyceride and low uh, HDL cholesterol concentration group. So basically the people who were in the highest third of triglyceride measurements and the lowest third of HDL cholesterol measurements were in this one group. Then there was the other group that was the opposite, which was the low triglyceride and high HDL cholesterol concentration. So the people with the lowest third of triglyceride measurements, as well as the highest third of HDL cholesterol measurements, they belonged in this group. And then there's the intermediate group, which was the people that didn't belong either in the first or second group, then they were in the intermediate group. With that uh, kind of subdivision in mind, there was a follow-up done years later in 1995. A register follow-up was carried out on morbidity and mortality between 1985 and 86 when it was started and December 31st, so the end of 1993. And information on hospital admissions and death certificate diagnoses during the follow-up was obtained. So that's how they got all the information that they needed for this study. And now we can take a look at the results and see what they found out. So, crude cumulative incidences of ischemic heart disease were 4.5 in the low triglyceride, high HDL cholesterol group, and 12.2 in the high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol group. And this was a statistically significant result that demonstrates that the low triglyceride, high HDL concentration was associated with a significantly decreased risk of ischemic heart disease. And with their statistical analysis, they also say that the high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol concentration was the strongest risk factor of ischemic heart disease. This was in comparison to the traditional four risk factors that I already mentioned. Now let's take a look at figure one here. Here is figure one and on the y-axis we have incidence of ischemic heart disease. And then we also have the three groups that I already mentioned, the low triglyceride, high HDL cholesterol group, the opposite high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol group, and the intermediate group. And these three groups are further delineated by a third uh, category, which is LDL cholesterol level, which is one of the traditional risk factors we think of. So high LDL cholesterol is seen as a risk factor for ischemic heart disease. So we have people who are high LDL cholesterol on the right side and people who are low LDL cholesterol on the left side. And what we see is regardless of uh, LDL cholesterol levels, there is a clear gradient of risk seen across the three groups with approximately two to three times higher risk of ischemic heart disease in the high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol group compared to the low triglyceride, 
high HDL cholesterol group. We also see that those with high LDL cholesterol levels and low triglycerides and high HDL had a significantly lower risk of ischemic heart disease than those with low LDL cholesterol, but high triglycerides and low HDL cholesterol. And this was the case with the other conventional risk factors, which they demonstrate in figure two. You can see figure two, a similar pattern for hypertension. And figure three, again, a similar thing for physical activity and smoking. Although the only thing was that the difference reached statistical significance only with respect to uh, physical activity and the LDL and the LDL level, uh, not so much the other risk factors. Now that we've seen the results, let's see some of the discussion topics the authors go over. So first of all, they say the major new finding from the study was that men with major classic risk factors of ischemic heart disease, such as high LDL cholesterol levels, hypertension, low physical activity, and smoking, they still had low risk of ischemic heart disease if they had low triglycerides and high HDL cholesterol concentrations. And in addition, the results showed that high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol concentration was a stronger risk factor than several major conventional risk factors of ischemic heart disease. So what they're trying to say is basically that it's more important to look at triglyceride and HDL cholesterol concentration levels than anything else. All the previous risk factors, the four mentioned, the LDL cholesterol levels, blood pressure, low physical activity, and smoking, they're not as strongly related to ischemic heart disease or coronary heart disease as these biomarkers of triglycerides and HDL are. Now, why is that? What is the biological plausibility behind that? And here the authors give a little bit of uh, context to make sense of it all. So they say, we think that our results should be considered with special reference to the absence or presence of the metabolic syndrome. So what is the metabolic syndrome? This is important to understand. Um, here they go on to define it as the metabolic syndrome describes the frequent aggregation in a single person of multiple interrelated abnormalities in glucose and lipid metabolism, including insulin resistance, glucose intolerance, and atherogenic dyslipidemia and hypertension. So that's a lot of bad things that are going on that are going wrong with your metabolism uh, when you have metabolic syndrome. So you really don't want that. And so metabolic syndrome is believed to play a major role in the pathogenesis and clinical course of what are often referred to as diseases of Western civilization. The characteristic lipid abnormality seen in people with metabolic syndrome is a lipid profile with high triglyceride and low HDL cholesterol levels, whereas a lipid profile with low triglyceride, high HDL cholesterol levels is the characteristic finding in people without this syndrome. So that's why when you look at just those two markers, you can kind of know so much about it because it's related to metabolic syndrome. And you know, if they have metabolic syndrome, they have all these issues of insulin resistance, glucose intolerance, dyslipidemia leading to atherosclerosis, they have high blood pressure, all of these things combined are kind of captured in one single kind of image of where your triglyceride and HDL concentration levels are. If the triglycerides are low and the HDL is high, your metabolism is probably doing fine and you don't, you don't have to worry about LDL uh, cholesterol concentration levels. Whereas if the uh, triglyceride levels are high and the HDL is low, then that is indicative of metabolic syndrome. Possibly you have one or many of these dysregulations with your metabolism. And in that case, uh, heart disease is a risk factor. And it suggests that uh, we need to look at improving all these markers of metabolism.
And those are the most important parts of the paper that I want to discuss for now. So with that information, plus what I talked about in the introduction about triglycerides, lipoproteins, and cholesterol, let's try to synthesize some conclusions for ourselves. I tried to do this in a free flow format in front of a camera without a lot of prep, and it just didn't come out right. I stumbled over my words too much and couldn't explain important points clearly, so I'm hoping a written essay format will work better. Let's start with an axiom that everyone can agree with. Coronary heart disease is a dreadful disease that we should try to avoid. So what are the risk factors for coronary heart disease so we can avoid it? Well, it's those four mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. High LDL cholesterol levels, high blood pressure, physical inactivity, and smoking. When I hear those risk factors, I think to myself, what are the low-hanging fruit in terms of lifestyle changes I can make that will have an impact and reduce those risk factors? The easy and obvious answer for me is to increase physical activity. Increased activity obviously takes care of inactivity, but also being more physically active disincentivizes smoking, and it can help reduce blood pressure. Physical activity won't have an impact on LDL cholesterol levels, but it does reduce triglycerides and increases HDL cholesterol. Well, that's great because we just read a whole paper about how low triglycerides and high HDL cholesterol are associated with a significantly reduced risk of coronary heart disease. We also learned that the opposite lipid profile of high triglycerides and low HDL cholesterol is the characteristic lipid profile of someone with metabolic syndrome, and it's the strongest risk factor for coronary heart disease, even stronger than high LDL cholesterol, the traditional heart disease risk factor. Remember the major finding from the study was that people with high LDL cholesterol, which in theory should be high risk, who also had low triglycerides and high HDL cholesterol levels, had a significantly reduced risk of coronary heart disease than those with high triglycerides and low HDL cholesterol, but low LDL cholesterol, which should be low risk in theory. Furthermore, the people with high LDL cholesterol, even when compared to the low LDL cholesterol group with similar lipid markers of low triglycerides and high HDL cholesterol, were at no greater risk of coronary heart disease which really goes to show that LDL cholesterol alone is not a good predictor of risk of heart disease. Therefore, if you get a lipid panel that says you have high LDL cholesterol, that doesn't mean you're going to develop atherosclerosis and get a heart attack tomorrow. It also doesn't mean you should avoid saturated fat, which increases LDL cholesterol levels. In my opinion, changing diet by replacing dairy or animal fat full of saturated fatty acids with processed seed oils composed of polyunsaturated fatty acids is not a sound dietary decision. As I've summarized throughout the previous three podcast episodes, replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat lowers LDL cholesterol, but clinical outcomes are unchanged and even worsened for people over the age of 65 as demonstrated by the Minnesota coronary experiment. We can also look at human history and note that for most of our species history, the human diet has been composed of whole or minimally processed foods in which very little polyunsaturated fat from seeds is present. This was until the industrial revolution of late 1800s and early 1900s when we got the creation of industrial seed oils. These highly processed oils that get extracted from soybeans, corn, rapeseed, which is the source of canola oil, cotton seed, and safflower seeds. In the last hundred years, consumption of these seed oils and their polyunsaturated fatty acids has increased dramatically worldwide, with as high as a three times increase in the US specifically. 
This is vastly greater than what our bodies would have adapted to over the hundreds of thousands of years of evolution when polyunsaturated fat from these seeds wasn't so easily available. Now the amazing thing about the human body is its capacity to adapt to different stress and stimuli. However, we're talking about large quantities of seed oil consumption over the last hundred years against hundreds of thousands if not millions of years of human evolution where polyunsaturated fat consumption from seeds made up only 2-3% of total calories. That's less than half of what it is now. In my opinion, that's too great of an increase for human metabolism to be able to adapt and still function optimally. With evolution, there are always trade-offs. Something else must suffer to allow for the capacity for that increase. That and the highly questionable production process of seed oils is why I don't recommend to my friends and family and my clients to consume seed oils like soybean oil or even packaged foods that use seed oils in their ingredients list. I personally mostly eat dairy fat like butter and cream or animal fat like tallow, lard and duck fat. I also use olive oil but significantly less than the other sources of fat. With that significant amount of saturated fat consumption, you would expect to see that I have high levels of LDL cholesterol. And in fact, I do. In September of 2019, I was randomly selected by Statistics Canada to enroll in the Canadian Health Measures Survey, which included a blood panel that tested my lipids. Both my LDL cholesterol and total cholesterol levels were slightly higher than the reference range quoted by Statistics Canada in the report they gave me. However, I have very low levels of triglycerides and very high levels of HDL cholesterol, which we saw from the study is associated with low risk of heart disease regardless of LDL cholesterol levels. Moreover, my total cholesterol to HDL cholesterol ratio is very low, which is also associated with low risk of heart disease. Ultimately, I'm not personally worried about high levels of LDL cholesterol. A really good way to think about LDL cholesterol and risk of heart disease which I got from someone else, is to understand that LDL cholesterol is necessary for heart disease to occur, but alone it is not sufficient to create it. This is similar to how oxygen and fire interact. We know you need oxygen to start a fire, but oxygen is all around us, yet things aren't going up in flames all the time because oxygen is necessary, but alone not sufficient to start a fire. So even though I have high LDL cholesterol, I am not a smoker, I don't have high blood pressure and I'm not inactive, so eating a species-appropriate diet of animal fat that results in a little increase in LDL cholesterol is the least of my worries regarding health. With that said, that is all about coronary heart disease on the State of Health podcast for a little while. I think I've come close to exhausting my level of knowledge and interest in the topic for now. It's been great to go back and relearn all these things though so I can share them on the podcast and I hope you found it useful. Thanks again for watching, ladies and gentlemen, till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out and let me clear up any uncertainty. Either leave a comment or email me at newsletter at jmarkfit.com. That's all I have for you, ladies and gents. Connect with me on social media at jmarkfit on Instagram and jmarkmoves on Facebook. Or get my free bodyweight training program at subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Jmart out!